Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. On a beautiful, clear May morning in the second year of the War of 1812, the people of Haverty Grace awoke to a most terrifying sight. Out on the bay were the towering masts of a British fleet, and rowing toward them were landing craft filled with redcoats. Rear Admiral Sir George Coburn, the scourge of the Chesapeake, had come to the place the Marquis de Lafayette had named Harbor of Mercy, but Mercy was the last thing on Coburn's mind. Coburn's arrival wasn't unexpected. All spring he'd brought fire and terror to those who lived beside the bay, and he'd just plundered nearby Frenchtown on the Elk River. Haverty Grace had built two small shore batteries and gathered 250 militia for protection, but Coburn was as clever as he was ruthless. The week before, he'd sent in a spy to tell them an attack was imminent, but he hadn't attacked. Many of the militiamen had grown bored and gone home. When he did come, Coburn brought with him the British Navy's version of shock and awe. His landing craft had slipped quietly into position the night before. At first light, his frigates and great 74-gun ships of the line opened fire. Swiftly gliding landing craft came in firing rockets that shrieked overhead before they smashed into wooden houses with flames and smoke. Frantic women tumbled out of bed, gathered their children, and fled out of town to safety. The handful of militia who stayed gave as good as they got from their little forts until the Marines landed and quickly took the first. Then they fled too, all save one. His name was John O'Neill, and he was a 45-year-old immigrant from the west of Ireland who'd come to the young United States as a teenager in 1786. He'd served under General Lighthorse Harry Lee, putting down the Whiskey Rebellion, and a dozen years later enlisted in the Navy to fight the French, who were preying on American shipping. After that, he'd come to Haverty Grace, built a nail factory, and prospered. Now, on the morning of May 3, 1813, he stood on a rise at the southern edge of his adopted town, where the militia had constructed something called the Potato Battery, and watched as British Marines, the same sort of men who had driven him from his homeland, charged uphill with murder in their eyes. O'Neill furiously waved his hat and shouted at his fleeing neighbors, but they soon vanished in the smoke. He was now all that remained between Coburn's raiders and the town. With rockets and grape shot screaming around him, he loaded a nine-pounder cannon, but when it went off, the recoil knocked him down, and the heavy carriage rolled back over his leg. As the first British bayonets appeared through the rolling smoke, he freed himself and limped back to his nail factory. There, he defiantly fought on until completely surrounded. When they took him, John O'Neill had a musket in each hand. Admiral Coburn had come ashore to personally supervise the destruction of Haverty Grace, as his men ransacked parlors and bedrooms, smashed furniture, put houses to the torch, and vandalized St. John's Episcopal Church, Coburn may have seen the lone American being led down to the water and rowed out to a frigate. For his part, O'Neill knew better than to expect clemency. Indeed, the British maintained he wasn't American at all, but Irish, a royal subject who had taken up arms against the king. That was a hanging offense. Yet to O'Neill's puzzlement, two days passed, and still no one threw a rope over a yardarm. Coburn's biographer later claimed that the admiral liked O'Neill's fighting spirit, but there's more to the story. On shore, an American general had growled that if they hanged John O'Neill, he'd hang the first two British subjects he got his hands on. O'Neill was set free. Although Philadelphia presented him with a handsome sword as a reward for his gallantry, his house and nail factory were in ashes and the financial crisis that roared in after the war made life harder still. Then, in 1829, someone decided to build a lighthouse, right where the British had landed. In a warm gesture of remembrance, John O'Neill was named its keeper. 
Until the day he died nine years later, he kept watch over Haverty Grace and its beautiful harbor of mercy, the place he loved and called home.